Well, we're in uh, chapter 9 of Revelation. We, we finished 8 last week. We'll finish 9 tonight, and we'll get to chapter 10 next week. Let me just quickly uh, rehearse, if I may, for a moment. We're going to have here in just a minute the seven trumpets slide so that you can at least see it. And whether you can get close enough to see all of it or not, uh, I don't know. But uh, we have seen the seal judgments. There were seven of those. We're looking at the trumpet judgments, and then a little later we'll see the bowl judgments. These judgments are the chronology you're moving through the tribulation. When you're reading about these judgments, there's movement going on during this seven-year period of time uh, called the tribulation. The seal judgments are a part of the first 21 months. You know, there's, there's seven years is uh, 80, uh, seven years is 84 months. So there's 42 months for half of that, and half of 42, of course, is 21. So these first six or seven judgments, the seal judgments, are taking place chronologically unfolding through the first 21 months. When you get to the second 21 months that brings you up to halfway through, you're listening to the, the, the next seven judgments that are called the trumpet judgments. And then once you get to the middle, then we're going to stop. We're going to learn about some characters that are a part of the revelation. And then we pick the chronology up again with what are the seven bowl judgments. And it only gets worse. It does not get better. It's not like you got judgments and then suddenly it's going to let up and it's going to get easier. It starts off relatively easy and it gets harder and harder and harder. As a matter of fact, well, what you're going to read tonight from, from uh, uh, chapter 9 these trumpet judgments, you're going to say, this is like something in a fantasy movie. I mean, I can't even imagine something like this. Uh, it's got to be supernatural. The only way you can explain it is it's supernatural. But in those seal judgments, the first of them was the white horse. Uh, you remember that was the one who came with a bow but no arrow. He came to conquer. He came uh, promising peace. That was the Antichrist. The second seal judgment was the red horse. And there was war and there was bloodshed and uh, just terrible horror. Uh, the third seal was the black horse. That was famine. Uh, famine spreads across the land. The fourth horse was the pale horse. That's pestilence and death. And so there you have the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The white horse, red horse, black horse, and pale horse. The fifth seal, we heard the souls under the altar. Those that were martyrs. Remember, they're saying, Lord, when are you going to do something about this? When are you going to ex execute vengeance against those who martyred us. And then the sixth seal judgment, there was a great earthquake. This is an earthquake, I mean, that moves the islands, that moves the mountains. This is an earthquake that's unlike any earthquake we have ever known or ever felt. By the way, I say we. We're not going to be here, but you know what I'm talking about. And then seal number seven, there was silence. And then after the silence, that, that silence was a matter of it was a matter of saying, this is the calm before the storm. And after that silence, the, the golden censer, you remember? He takes hot coals from off the altar, the altar of incense, and they're hurled at the earth. And there's cataclysmic things that are happening above us and around us. It's, it's uh, unbelievable to even think about all of it. But then we, we saw the first four uh, trumpet judgments last week. The first trumpet was hail, fire, and blood. All of these things falling from the sky. Here we are. Uh, hail, fire, and blood falling from the sky above. The second trumpet was a burning mountain. C could be a comet, maybe something supernatural that God has created. Uh, it's going to be cast into the seas. 
and a great part of the seas are, are polluted by <clears throat> that burning mountain. Uh, I told you somebody said that uh, that burning mountain could be a warhead. I don't think that's the case, but it could be a warhead. Then there's the third trumpet that we talked about. It was a star, maybe a comet, that uh, somehow breaks up in the atmosphere and spreads out and poisons the fresh waters. As the mountain destroyed so much of the seawaters, uh, the, uh, the uh, star destroys so much of the fresh waters. And then in the fourth trumpet judgment, there was the sun that diminished. Uh, I don't think God actually puts the sun out, but you know, I was thinking about this as I was preparing to come back tonight and talk from chapter 9. You remember when the wildfires were going out west and the smoke would get up into the jet stream and the jet stream would carry it all the way over here to us and you could smell the smoke? And there was also a haziness in the sky that caused the sun to look more like it you know, wasn't as bright or as clear as it normally is. Maybe that's what's happening when the sun is diminished from all of these cataclysmic things that are going on up into the skies and the, the jet stream. But however it happens, there's going to be some diminishing of the light for a period of time. Now tonight we come to, to two uh, of these trumpets, the fifth and the sixth, that are unlike anything that we've ever heard of or anything we've ever seen. As a matter of fact, uh, in one of the verses we're going to read tonight, you'll find the word like. It's like this. It's like that. You're going to find it, if I counted right, it's, it's going to be, you're going to find it eight or nine times. Because John, you can feel John, how, how do I describe this? I mean, how do I tell people what this is? And, and he's describing it like things that he's familiar with. And so we pick up with the fifth trumpet in, in chapter 9, verse 1. He says, Then the fifth angel sounded, that is, he played his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Now this particular star is not uh, one of the angels, not one of the ones that we've been lift, looking at or, or talking about uh, previously. You notice it says, A star. This is, this is not a multiple number of angels. This is one particular angel, and you'll notice fallen is in the past tense. He, he hadn't fallen at that moment. He has fallen in the past. Now, you're beginning to get an idea who we're talking about, right? Uh, this particular star that's fallen from heaven to earth uh, is none other than Satan himself. And you'll notice that he does not have the key to the bottomless pit. He doesn't own that key. Who has the key to the bottomless pit? Jesus does. He has to be given that key. Satan is not in control. That's good news. He is the God of this world. I understand the God, uh, the prince of the power of the air. I understand. But he is not in ultimate control. God is in ultimate control. And you, you're meeting Satan at this point. He's already fallen and he's going to open the bottomless pit, and you're going to see uh, these demonic hordes come up out of this bottomless pit. Uh, you remember reading about the fall of, of Satan? Uh, many believe that Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 15, or Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11 to 19, are descriptive of that, using one of the kings of the day, and you know, behind that king was this uh, angel, this uh, uh, Lucifer, I got it, it just came, Lucifer, and uh, that he was cast out of heaven. He rose up and said, I, I want to be God. I want to sit where you are. I want to be in control. You remember, he was the beautiful angel. He was the angel of music. 
And because he rose up in rebellion and in pride, he and a horde of uh, his cohorts were cast out of heaven. That doesn't mean that he didn't have access to heaven, because he did. He could go into heaven. We know that from the book of Job, right? In the book of Job, he was allowed to come and present himself before God and say, have you noticed my servant, your servant Job? He he serves you because you're good to him, but you take away these things from him, he'll turn his back on you and he'll curse you. Did Job do that? Job didn't do that. But we know from that 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 Satan, though he's been cast out in the past, at this point, he still has access. He is called what? He's called in the Revelation. What's he called? The... uh, Starts with an A. The accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser of the brethren. So, uh, aren't you thankful you have in First John chapter two the one who is your uh, who is your uh, defense attorney? Uh, he, he is the one who comes to your defense. First John chapter two, because you've got an accuser. You got one accusing. You got one defending. And Jesus steps forward and says, "Nope, I paid for that. It's all taken care of." But you got somebody who's accusing, and that's Satan, and he still has access into heaven, even though he has been thrown out of a permanent dwelling in that place. By the way, a little bit later, not tonight, a little bit later, you will see him thrown out permanently, where he has no more access even uh, to heaven. And so this star is none other than, than Satan himself, who's given this key to go unlock the door to, to the abyss. Uh, where there are, there's a horde of demonic creatures that we're going to read about. Verse 2, and he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. Now, you, you, you can see that, can't you? You remember when you forgot to open the flue to your, to your chimney? Remember that? You never done that? If you get to open the flue to your chimney, and you, you, you lit the, the kindling, and you know, all of a sudden the smoke's coming this way instead of going that way. You, you, you understand what he's talking about. There, there's fire in this pit, in this abyss. When he opens the door to it, the smoke comes billowing out. And he goes on and says, And the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. That's not unusual. And we understand that from building fires ourselves. Have you ever noticed uh, our son-in-law likes to, to have a, he has a fire pit out out back of his house, and we'll go over sometimes, sit around the fire pit. Have you ever noticed that no matter which side you put yourself on the fire pit, the smoke always goes where you are? I'm beginning to think that he's got a fan in there. He knows where it moves. Just, just blow it toward my father-in-law. He'll go home. You know, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. But you understand what's happening. They're opening up this fiery pit. Coming out of it is this billowing smoke that rises. It darkens the sky above, darkens the sun above. Uh, it's very much what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah when God rained down his judgment on those cities, these uh, pillars, these columns of smoke. Verse 3, then out of the smoke, here we come, out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth. And to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Uh, These locusts coming out of this smoke are unlike anything we're familiar with on earth. Now, we're we're familiar with locusts, but these are, you know, demonically uh, empowered locusts. These aren't like anything we've ever seen, and their purpose is their destruction of uh, vegetation. And the only thing they can't touch or sting with their tail are those that are sealed 
uh, with the seal of God. And who, who, who do we find out those were in chapter 7? 144,000 Jewish witnesses that are preaching the gospel. Remember, they didn't just start in chapter 7. They were sealed way back, some at the beginning or just before the beginning of the tribulation. They were sealed, and they've been preaching the gospel. That's why there's some martyrs that have, uh, have lost their lives in the process, right? Uh, but these particular demonic, this demonic horde is not able to touch those 144,000 but they can sting other people. And you're going to read about that here in just a moment. Verses 4 to 6, notice what he says. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them. You notice this demonic horde doesn't have the authority to kill anyone, but to torment them for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Now, I've seen scorpions. Any of you been bitten by a scorpion? Any of you? You got one? I saw one. He's still alive. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I don't know how bad that is, but it doesn't sound good, right? These are a thousand times worse. Uh, these scorpions are a thousand times worse, and the purpose of their sting is to make your life as miserable as possible for a period of five long months. Think of having a kidney stone. Five months. Think of the pain. Can you imagine? The pain that they can create. And that pain becomes so intense that the people who have it want to die. Notice it goes on. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. They can't escape it. No doctor can treat it and, and get rid of it. There's, there's no cure for it. There's no antibiotic that can, can be prescribed in order to help. Um, one writer puts it this way, it may be that suffering men will plunge into lakes or seas to seek death by drowning, only to find for some unknown reason that their bodies will not sink. Poison may be swallowed only to find it had been neutralized to impotency. Uh, when Mary and I traveled to Israel, we went down to the Dead Sea. We, we didn't get in the Dead Sea, but there were people in the Dead Sea. It was fascinating. They're just laying back there. There's no float. There's no, you know, uh, what do you call those round things? Uh, inner. In, inner tube. There's no inner tube. Uh, no, you know, none of those things. They're just floating in, in the water of the Dead Sea. Can you imagine? They've been stung by these scorpions. It's going to create this pain so intense they can't stand it. It's going to last for five months. Nothing you can do to treat it. And if you try to take your own life to get rid of it, you can't do so. All you can do is endure the pain. Are you getting the idea this is not a, this is not a good time? Verses 7 to 10. And the shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. By the way, this is where you want to circle every time you see the word like. I think there's, if I counted right, there's eight or nine times. And the shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. And on their heads were crowns of something like gold. And their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair. And their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like 
breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound, it was like the sound of chariots. That's powerful. You can hear the, you know, you can feel the ground rumbling. The sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there, there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. Now, you just get the feeling when John is describing this, he's just trying to figure out, how do I tell people what I'm seeing? I've never seen anything like this, uh, never seen anything like this before. And so he says it's like. I was uh, at the international dinner, and somebody had brought snake meat. Uh, uh, it was uh, something mamba, snake meat. And so somebody at our table got some of it. A black mamba. Uh, and somebody at our table took some of it. You know, first of all, I think they probably should get right with God because I'm not sure anybody should be eating that kind of stuff. Second of all, we should have sent them to a doctor said, you know, is this even safe? Um, but they were sitting there, were eating on it, and they're tasting it. And by the way, these were some of our missionaries <laughs> um, who probably eat a lot of things that, you know, we wouldn't be cool with. But I asked him when he got through, I said, what does it taste like? He said, it tastes like? Chicken. Tastes like chicken. <laughs> you know, you don't know how to describe it. I mean, how do you describe it? I mean, everything tastes like chicken. Have you ever had frog legs? Oh, it tastes like chicken. Yeah, it tastes like chicken. Um, you know, you ever had, I don't know, whatever, you know, something else that is, that's exotic. You know, it's, it's like chicken, it's like chicken. You know, it's sort of the idea you get with John. It's like this, it's like that. I, I mean, I've never seen anything like this. This morning, I got up uh, early and um, I uh, turned on the news. And uh, they had these mechanical dogs. Uh, look like a dog, except, you know, there's just no, no flesh on, no bones. All, just a mechanical dog. It walks, you know, like this, four feet, goes and it has a gun that comes out of its nose, and it's something that the military is developing supposedly to be used in warfare. You know, sharpshooting dog that can go, and it's all controlled from a distance like the, uh, what are the planes that they fly with no people in them? Like the drones. They're, they're like the drones that are, that are controlled from a distance. And, these, and it's really weird when you see it. That's what you're looking at. I mean, I don't believe those dogs are these particular creatures, but I mean, that's the kind of thing you're talking about, something that's just unbelievable to even to look at. It was sort of weird looking at that. I mean, it looks like a dog, but it's not a dog, and it's moving like a dog, but it's still not a dog, and that dog can do more than just bite me. That dog can kill me. You know what I'm talking about? And John is describing these locusts, and he's telling you, I mean, these are, a, this, is a, this is like a, an October 31st kind of a description Um, he's, he's relying on symbolic imagery to describe something like he's never seen before. But just the sight of these hideous creatures would be enough to strike fear in the hearts of men, don't you think? I mean, just what's that coming at me? Look at that thing. It's flying toward me. Ah, you, know, you just strike fear in your heart, especially if you've seen somebody else and the effect that it's had on somebody else, and now it's coming after you. You can imagine the agony that the sting can produce over a period of five long months. It's the second time he says it's five months. 
This is the second time he says it lasts for five months. This pain, this unbearable pain that where you want to go die if you could die, but you can't die. Verse 11, he continues, And they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. Who's the angel of the bottomless pit? Satan. This is a demonic horde of some kind over which Satan has control, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek, his, his name, uh, he has the name Apollyon. Uh, he is the king of these demonic spirits. Both the word Apollyon and Abaddon, one's Greek, uh, Abaddon is Greek, uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, Apollyon is Greek and Abaddon is Hebrew, uh, but both of them mean destroyer. These are destructive, demonic agents under the control of Satan, allowed to be released when he was given the key to open the door to the abyss, to the pit. And uh, they bring all kinds of destruction. It's unbelievable. Verse 12, one woe is past. I forgot to tell you. Remember, uh, he talked about there's going to be three woes. In addition to the trumpet judgment, there's a woe. I mean, this judgment is so bad, it doesn't just get the judgment stage. It gets the judgment stage plus the woe. Woe. Now, that's not like when you see your wife, and she's all you know, fixed up and ready to go out, and you say, whoa. This is like when you, know, you see a surgery taking place in front of you, you say, whoa. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of woe he's talking about. It's, it's a horrible kind of a thing. He says, one woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these. Can it get worse? Can it get worse? It absolutely will get worse. And you're about to read it with the sixth trumpet. Verse 13. Then the sixth angel sounded. He plays the trumpet. Here's the judgment coming. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar. Where's that? That's the altar of incense. That's where we heard the voices of the martyrs. That's where the hot coals were placed that were taken and thrown to the earth. That's where the prayers of the saints and the incense made the smoke that rose up to God, the sweet-smelling smoke that rose up to God. I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. I want you to notice it just didn't say uh, voices, plural, it says a voice. It's a singular voice, not many voices. So that this voice can't be the voice of the martyred saints. We know the saints are there as well, but it can't be the voice of the martyred saints. It's, it's a single voice. And likely this voice is none other than the Lamb of God. And he's giving the command to this sixth angel to unleash this demonic horde. Now he's the one in charge of all that's going on anyway. Verse 14, what does this, uh, what, what does he say? This voice, what does he say? Saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. Now, the river Euphrates is, is still there. I don't know that the path of the river is exactly what it was when it was in the Garden of Eden, but it was in the Garden of Eden. That means that river's been there a long time, Right? And it's safe to assume that these four angels are fallen angels because they've been confined and they've just now been released. T take your Bible for a minute. There's a couple of places I want you to look. Go back with me to 2 Peter. 
And then we're going to go to Jude. There's a couple of places in the New Testament where the Lord talks about these confined angels. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4. It says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains. Now, these are not the ones that are working today. These are some specific angels that are delivered into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Uh, go with me to the book of Jude, if you will. The book of Jude, chapter, chapter 4. Jude, chapter 4. When you get there, you'll figure it out. Verse 6. You meet these angels again. He says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved, here's the chains again, in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now, we can have a discussion. We're doing that on, on Wednesday evenings in our group. Who are these angels? Where did they come from? Uh, why were they... Um, why are they confined and chained in this fashion? The, the demonic world still exists, right? It's still at work. Um, the demonic world is going on all around us uh, at work. But these have been chained. They've been chained at the Euphrates River. But now they're being released. The Lord Jesus sends word to release them so that they can accomplish their evil deeds. By the way, the Euphrates River flows over 1,700 miles it begins in eastern Turkey, and it empties into the Persian Gulf. Uh, any of you been to the Euphrates River? Okay. We've got some that have been to the Euphrates River. How cool is that? Verse 15. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year. You think God's got this under control? You think he has a time and a plan? You think he knows what he's doing? You know, we said, where are you, Lord? Why don't you come back? Why don't you set? You know, the Lord has an hour, he has a day, he has a month, and he has a year. And do you know when that is? And do I know when that is? No, but he does. He's got it all under control. For the hour, day, month, year were released. They were released to kill. Now listen, to kill these angels that have been chained up to kill a third of mankind. Oh, man. You remember back in Revelation chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, way back there, it said one-fourth of all mankind dies at the fourth seal judgment. Now we add another third. That means a half, at least half of the world's population has died. Now, just imagine that. Now, you can't, I, mean, I can't imagine that. But think New York. When uh, the COVID virus started coming and it got into the nursing homes and the personal care homes and, you know, amongst those uh, that were aged and had other illnesses and they were dying left and right. I mean, there were just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them dying. Remember what they did with the bodies? They couldn't bury them. There was no way to bury them quickly enough, right? Couldn't have enough funerals to bury them all. What were they doing? They were putting them in what? Refrigerated trucks. They got to hold them. Can you imagine... Over a course of 42 months, half the population of the earth has died. We couldn't handle what happened with COVID in New York alone. Can you imagine what it will be like all over the earth? You say, you, you really believe that will happen? Well, is that what it says? It's what it says. 
We take the revelation literally unless it specifically says that it's uh, symbolic, and it doesn't say that here. This is not like death. This is death. They kill a third of mankind. I can't even imagine that. I can't even comprehend that. That At least half of the world's population is lost to death. But by the way, isn't that the reason why Jesus says in Matthew 24, verses 21 and 22, except the Lord shorten the days? There wouldn't be anybody left. If the Lord didn't shorten the days, he said no, no life would be left if he didn't do that. Verse 16. Uh, did I get verse 15? Uh, okay, verse 16. Now the number of the army of the horsemen. Now here we go. The number of the army of the horsemen. Remember you had these other demonic horde that came up out of the smoke. Now you've got this other demonic horde horde of of evil now the number of the army of the horsemen these are the horsemen these these aren't the the locust looking uh, demonic horde the army of the horsemen was 200 million and i heard the number of them why does he say i heard the number of them because john john could never have counted 200 million right yeah, so one two three four five six seven eight nine i mean he'd still be there counting the Lord had to tell him, actually in the, in the Greek language, this is 2 times 10,000 times 10,000, 200 million. Now, when you think about this demonic horde, you've had one that you've already seen that can sting and cause pain that lasts for five months and you can't get away from it, you can't die and release yourself from it. Now you've got this horse-like demonic creature that's coming up. There's 200 million of them. Uh, one author, Hal Lindsey, has an interesting comment about this. He says that this is the Red Chinese Army, who at one time claimed to have had a military force of 200 million coming from the east for an invasion of the Middle East, and that the description of the creatures themselves is indicative of a mobilized ballistic missile launcher. And Hal Lindsey, I don't know if he's still living or not, he's pretty creative in his mind. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but I think these are demonic creatures. I don't think that these are literally a red Chinese army. Uh, military logistics experts say that the area around the Middle East couldn't handle 200 million literal, actual, uh, physical uh, military individuals, an army of that size. It couldn't handle it. There's too many limitations. This is another indication that these are some kind of a demonic horde of evil that, that John is looking at. And it seems best to see it as this vast de- demonic army. The appearance of the creature's tails alone, like serpents, are another indicator that this is a demonic horde and not the red Chinese army. Because in the Bible, the snake is closely associated with what? Demons and demonic forces, Satan is right. Demons and demonic forces. So again, that's another indicator that this is likely a demonic horde of evil that John is seeing. So can you imagine? I mean, you got these over here, you got these over here, and I mean, they're they're creating all kind of havoc and and destruction and death. Excuse me, not death, but destruction and pain. It's just unbelievable. Verse 17. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Now he's going to describe these horses. You've never seen a horse like this. 
That's why it's supernatural. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, that's a sort of a darkish blue, sulfur yellow, and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. Well, we got death continuing. By the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths, for their power is in their mouth and in their tails. Now, the locust was just in their tail, but now this is in the mouth and the tail, for their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. You say, have you ever seen anything like that? Never. I've seen things depicted on the movie screen that you know are sort of... Um, Fantastic when you think about them. You know, they're, they're otherworldly kind of things that, that are depicted. But I've never seen anything like that. Any of you seen anything like that? If you have, please don't tell me. Don't come see me after the service and say, I saw it. Let me take you to see it. No, I don't want, I don't want to see it. I, I don't want to see that demonic cord. You say, you know, if, if you can't explain it by natural means, then it can't be true. If you can, then you can't explain, then, then you can't accept the resurrection of Jesus. Because you can't explain it by natural means. You can only explain it by supernatural means, right? And so you got these supernatural demonic hordes that are working amongst mankind. And it's, it's horrendous. These particular ones, these horses with this fire coming out of their mouths are able, while the others couldn't bring death, th these are able to bring death. And death just keeps on multiplying. Uh, these, they have the ability to kill with both their heads and their tails. Uh, their lion-like heads will spew fire and smoke and brimstone and bring death to those that are affected by it. And their tails are like serpents. That is, they have deadly poison in them. And death just keeps coming. For the wages of sin is it's death. Chapter 9, verse 20. But... Not everybody dies. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. Can I just stop there for a moment? Do what? You remember when uh, God was sending the plagues to the Pharaoh in Egypt, and one of them was the frogs, and frogs were everywhere. I mean, they were everywhere. And finally, he acquiesces, the Pharaoh acquiesces, and Moses comes to him, tells him, you know, this is, this is God's judgment. He says, what do you want me to do? He says, send the frogs away. You remember the next word? Tomorrow. Not a real smart Pharaoh, you know. What about right now? Send them away right now. He says, send them away tomorrow. Tomorrow? Have you lost your mind? Look. I mean, there's these plagues, there are people being killed by these plagues, and yet in this, these demonic hordes that they can see with their eyes, things that they've never seen with their eyes before. There, there's things happening in the skies. The earth is shaking around them. There's things happening underneath them. The, the door to the abyss and the pits being open. I mean, there's things going on. There's comets flying through the sky. I mean, there, there's meteors going everywhere. There, there's all of these... Uh, um, Phenomenal things that are happening in the skies, and they still don't repent of the works of their hands. 
Only God can open a man's heart. And how sad it is when you become so hard-hearted that you, you see God and you still don't repent. You don't turn to God. They did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons and idols of gold and silver and brass, stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. Have you ever thought the idolatry was sort of dumb? Yeah, it's sort of dumb, but we still got it everywhere. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality. Have you ever noticed that Oftentimes when you find these lists of sins where God is talking about the decline of a people, that inevitably he puts in the list sexual immorality because it's one of the most obvious evidences of a society that's on the downward trend. A lot of other things going on, but sexual confusion and sexual immorality is one of the most obvious evidences of God, as he says in Romans 1, he gave them up, he gave them up, he gave them up, or he gave them over. It's one of the most obvious evidences. And yet, because of all that they've seen, they continue to worship their, their idols. They don't repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Can you imagine the looting that will go on during this period? I mean, if they're marching through the streets a summer ago, a year ago, and breaking out windows and running into stores and running out of the store with everything they can put in their hands. Can you imagine when uh, over half of the population is going to die and there's all of these things happening around them and all of this opportunity that presents itself and they avail themselves of it. Two other times in the Revelation, we will find lists of sins like the one that are found here. You know, you see that murder, sorcery, sexual immorality, thefts. Two other times you find lists that are like that. You find Paul giving those kinds of lists. In Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 6, you see those kinds of lists. But you know what happens here? It reminds me of what I read about to, to you this morning a little bit about. By the way, I won't, I won't be a prophet every Sunday, you know, coming to, but um, I'll, I'll come to comfort as well. I'm reminded again of what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.13, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I want to stop for just a moment. We're going to finish here. One of the sins here is sorceries. It comes from a Greek word, pharmakia. What do you think we get from pharmakia? You get the word pharmacy. You get drugs. A part of this occult that's happening during the tribulation period is carried on through drugs, uh, these mind-altering drugs, these life-altering drugs are a part of the occult uh, in the Revelation. You understand what that means? That means that who's behind uh, the drug addiction? Who's behind the cartels, who's behind that evil that's destroying so many of our young people and so many, so many of our adults? Who, who's behind it? Satan is. Uh, Satan is the, is the one, he's the thief who's there to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus goes on, that's John 10, 10. Jesus goes on and he says, but I've come to give you life and to give you what? Life more abundant. 
Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's all he knows. He lies. He's a liar. He's, a, he's, he's the father of lies. He's always been a liar. He'll never tell the truth. Um, and uh, he's, he's in the business of destroying. Some of us have been through that. I know I've had family members destroyed by, not immediate family members, but family members destroyed by drugs and alcohol. And I tell you who's behind that. Satan's behind that. And during the tribulation, well, you're going to be wanting psychotic drugs because you're going to be wanting to escape. And Satan will be pleased to provide them because part of the sorceries um, are these drugs, these demonic-induced drugs. We have to go win people to Jesus. And we have to wrap ourselves in God's love and God's grace <clears throat> for each of us. Amen. I know it's not pleasant to study those things, but that's in your Bible and you have to know it. And if nothing else, I hope it motivates us to go say, look, you need Jesus. You need Jesus now, not later. You don't want to wait till after the, after the rapture, the tribulation begins. You, you want to know Jesus now. Next week, We'll cover chapter 10. Are you still with me? I haven't lost you? Okay.